it's so good to see everybody. This morning, last week, you remember we talked about baptism and the Holy Spirit, and, and we, wanted, we want to follow through and follow up with this. And I, I, it, it, it's like, as the preacher, I'm like, well, should I preach a Father's Day sermon, or should I keep preaching about the baptism and the Holy Spirit? And I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, the daddies need this worse than they need anything else, and this would be the best Father's Day sermon to preach. Because the Holy Spirit is our helper. Is there any daddies here that don't need any help? You with me? I mean, it's like, we need all that. I do. I mean, I like, need a lot of help in my Everybody that knows me very well knows, like, like I am uh, not an easy keeper. So I need help. So we talked about talked about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and uh, talked about how that in the Old Testament. Just to recap for a little bit for those who may not have been here last week. Uh, the function of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. You remember in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, hundreds of years prior to the Holy Spirit falling on the day of Pentecost, it says, he said in Joel 2, 28, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Everybody say all. All, all people, and this is the Father's Day deal too, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions of what God has for them, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I'll show wonders in heaven. And so this, this, the function of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, uh, you remember it's purification. And, and I pray that a lot. I don't know if y'all are in the habit of praying that the Lord will purify you. I pray that the Lord will purify me. Like before I get up to preach, I don't want to get up not being pure and holy before God. And the only way that I can do that is if I ask God to purge me and cleanse me and make me pure and holy, set apart for this purpose. Because you are set apart for your purpose. We all need to be set apart for our own individual purpose. Can you say amen to that? So dads, when it comes to Father's Day, it's about the Holy Spirit putting his super on your natural. What you do naturally, the things that he's blessed you with, he puts his super on your natural. And you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think because of the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. I don't know how you can sit so still when I'm telling you something so good. The Holy Spirit. He says in Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came down in specific individuals at specific times for specific purposes. Now, Jesus said, I will send the Holy Spirit and he will be with you. Hmm. So the New Testament revelation of the Holy Spirit is this, uh, is according to Luke, he talks about the Spirit's role in empowering the believer for service. Be very clear here, when the Holy Spirit comes in you and he comes to you, he comes to you for a 
purpose to empower you because you belong to God. He empowers you for God's purpose in you. Stay with me. I got some good stuff today. I'm just kind of recapping here. Luke 24, 49, you will be clothed with power from on high. Acts 1, 4 through 8, uh, it, uh, verse 5, it says, For John baptized with water, but in a few days I will baptize with, uh, with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit will live in you. It's like a baptism or a submersion in the Spirit where everything we are and everything we do and everything that comes out of our mouth and the, thing, the thoughts that we think is the challenge is to be Holy Spirit inspired when you live in the world that is competing for your thought life. Now, if you live in the same world I live in, <laughs> there's a lot of competition for what we're supposed to think about. There's a lot of competition for what this world wants you to do and what they say you should do. And there's a competition between what God says we should do and what the world says we should do. And the only way that we can cipher through these things is if we spend more time with God than we do the world. And we prioritize God's plan over the world's plan. And we speak it even though sometimes we may not get it and we may not understand it. It has to start in our mind and then it comes out of our mouth. But it's all about our hearts because he said, I'll create a new heart in you. Anybody remember you when you had the old heart? I'm going to wait on you a minute. That old heart of stone, that whole cold heart. And then Jesus came and softened your heart up. And all of a sudden, the people that you couldn't stand before, you found out that you actually love them and you actually care for them because they have a soul. I don't know if I should say this, but I'm going to. I'm going to anyway. We was at the roping the other day. Had a guy come up to me. It was right after uh, this terrible thing happened where the, the convict got out and, and, and murdered some uh, these families in our community. And a guy came up to me in the rope and he said, I hope that guy burns in hell. I hope God just, just sinned. And he just, he just, and he was very angry and he was like, he said, that guy just deserves hell, and I'm so glad when he gets to hell, he's just going to burn in hell. And he was angry about it, which I understand the anger completely. But let me just say this. God is never happy when anybody burns in hell. No matter how stupid we get, my name's Randy Weaver. I've been stupid. I mean, I've been stupid. You mean with me? Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you something. God died on the cross for my sins. He sent the Holy Spirit to empower me not to be stupid. But God, in his infinite wisdom and him being God, he loves he loved me when I was stupid. He loves anybody, no matter how bad you've been in your life. The worst of the worst, 
the, the guy on the cross. You remember what Jesus said to him, right? While Jesus was hurting and he was in amazing pain, he looked over at the guy next to him and no telling what he'd done. And he said, today you'll be with me in paradise because Jesus looked beyond his faults and saw his need. But only through the Holy Spirit can you love the unlovable. But it says in verse 8, but you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and Montgomery. No, is it the ends of the earth? That's us. So, so... In Acts 2.39, it says, this promise is for you. This promise of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that they, in Acts 2, it says that they were in one place. They were in one accord. And the Holy Spirit fell on them as clothes of tongues of fire. And they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Stay with me. So it says, you'll receive this power. And, and then he goes on to say, Peter, it says, this promise is for you, for your children, for all. Everybody say all. all. For all who are far off in Montgomery, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, it says, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though, it, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. It is with Christ, for we we're all baptized with one spirit. It's talking about salvation in our body, the body of Christ. That's where we get the term, being that we are part of the body of Christ. It's in this, through this scripture here. And whether Jews or Greeks, slaves, free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. So Paul's teaching emphasizes purification. The book of Acts uh, uses these expressions interchangeably, uh, baptized in the Spirit, the Spirit's coming or falling in Acts 1.8. I could go through all these. The Spirit's poured out, the promise of the Father, the promise of the Spirit, the gift of the Spirit, receiving the Spirit, and filled with the Spirit. This is, these are all in the book of Acts. And really, the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. It's the action of the church. The church is actually born in the book of Acts. This is a birth, birthing place when they were in one accord where the dispensation of the church age came into being where Jesus said, I will send the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'll send the Holy Spirit to teach you all things. And if the Spirit doesn't teach us, somebody else is going to teach us something. We only have so much brain matter to take so many things into our mind. So be careful what you think. We used to sing that song, be careful little feet where you go. Be careful little mouth what you say. Be careful little ears what you hear. For the Father up above is, you remember, y'all remember that one? The Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful little feet where you go. Gotta be careful. Because what you let in is probably gonna come out, <laughs> good or bad. So, no one term fully describes all that is involved in this experience that we're talking about. What can I expect? 
when I am baptized in the Holy Spirit? The short answer that Jesus gives in Acts 1.8 is that you'll receive power when the Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea. We read that. You see, we receive God's power to be witnesses in our neighborhoods throughout the whole world. We were already Christians, but he said, I'm going to turbocharge, so to speak, your walk with me, and I'm going to give you an extension of the power that I already have. It's kind of like uh, those old... Has anybody here ever owned one of them, those old... uh, like back in the 70s, a diesel pickup. What they put in it was, it was like a car engine in a pickup. And when we had, we was pulling trailer over the mountains in Colorado, they, they, would, they would go about 20 miles an hour. And the Dodgers would just go right past them because they were turbocharged. Now, if you're content not having power, and you don't really care about, you just want to float through life and wander around behind the little animals, maybe. But I kind of like to go fast. I kind of like that power. I don't enjoy messing up. I didn't enjoy, and even though I am baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, I was praying in the Spirit this morning at the house. I was praying in the Spirit in the green room. I was praying in the Spirit on my chair right there because I need that power and the edification and the building up of myself before I can get up here before y'all. Trust me, I could not do this without, without help. And... So what it does, it it, it gives us boldness under pressure. Peter had just, this is the same Peter right after he'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit. uh, uh, The religious leaders in Acts chapter 4 had thrown him in jail overnight. The next day he gives the defense. Then Peter, it says, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, Now, y'all remember Peter before he got filled with the Holy Spirit, right? He's like, when Jesus was, he was like, I don't know that guy. I don't know Jesus. I mean, like, he denied him three times, you remember that? And then Jesus told him, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Peter like, he was such a proud man. We got any proud man? Don't raise your hand. It's not a good thing. But Peter was such a proud man. He's like, I'll never deny you, Jesus. And then, then the, the, it, they, was, they was like, I think that guy was with Jesus. And Peter's like, not me. Er, 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 er. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> it says, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple because he was they, he was healed that how he was healed then know this you and all the people of Israel it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified by the way we're talking about a bold Peter here we're talking about a, not the old Peter but the bold Peter whom you crucified whom God raised from the dead that this man stands before you Healed today, he is the stone your builders rejected, which has become the chief cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, but there is no other name under heaven given to men 
by which we must be saved. Verse 13, watch this. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. This is good stuff. So the Holy Spirit as well gives us revelation knowledge. Peter and the disciples did not display any real insight into Scripture in revelation to the mission of Jesus before the day of Pentecost. Revelation knowledge is the ability to understand the true meaning of Scripture as given by revelation of the Holy Spirit. In other words, there's so many things in the Word of God that we have to have a revelation knowledge from the Spirit of God so that we can understand what God is saying to us through his word. It's, it's extremely valuable. Uh, by this, I simply mean that when we speak, the Holy Spirit supplies the words for us. The Spirit speaks through us. Witnessing or preaching, when Peter addressed the crowd of the mockers on the day of Pentecost, the word for addressed is the same word as enabled. In, in other words, what it says in Acts 2, 4, it says where it says that the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So I'm talking about the revelation, and I got one of them yesterday because I was kind of, thinking about meditating on this and it says as the spirit enabled them in other words when the spirit enabled them and gave them the words to say they the holy spirit gave them the 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 words in tongues but also the words to say so that people could understand it as well the holy spirit enabled and so that word enabled is it means to give someone authority or means to do something to give somebody authority or means to do something and it's adapted for use the word enabled is adapted for use with the specific application or system adapted with the specific in other words the holy god the father god the holy spirit he gives us specific application for a system I have a I have a a little speaker in my barn, and when I bring my phone into the barn, I can push that button on that speaker, and because that speaker is Bluetooth, my phone the the Bluetooth enables my phone to speak through the speaker. It enables the speaker to speak. Bluetooth. And the speaker speaks what's on the phone. And when I play music, the channel that I turn it on comes through the speaker. I hope the light's coming on for somebody. <laughs> Are you Holy Spirit enabled? Because you're the one that's got to turn it on. 
I hear people every once in a while, oh, I'd never speak in tongues. Well, you're right. You won't with that attitude. <laughs> you won't. Because the Holy Spirit will never make you do something that you're not willing to do. He doesn't take you over and just, he, he, he's like, because the Bible says that the spirit is subject to the man. The spirit is subject to the woman. In other words, if I want to speak in tongues, I have to decide to speak in tongues. If I want to be used by the Holy Spirit to talk to somebody and I have an idea that God gives me while I'm talking to that individual, I can speak what the Holy Spirit is giving to me as that revelation knowledge. And the Holy Spirit, God, listen to me, God, the Holy Spirit, can speak through me. Woo! What a privilege to be Holy Spirit enabled. Now, we have the negative side of being an enabler. If someone is an addict and you get them drugs, you're an enabler or if you have the holy spirit and you give them god the holy spirit you enable them to inhabit the presence of the holy spirit in your life you can be a good bluetooth person so to speak Does that make sense so let me read it again give someone authority or means to do something. In other words, what we do, we give the Holy Spirit authority to do something in us. We say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I give, I give the authority that I have over my body, over my tongue, over my heart, I give that authority to you and you use me, you speak to me and you speak through me and I surrender, listen to me now, I surrender my authority and I let you have authority. Because God will never supersede the authority that has already been given to you as an individual. He'll never make you do anything because he will honor the authority that he actually gave you as an individual to accept him as your personal savior, but also to accept the workings and the movings of the Holy Spirit in your life as you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak on behalf of God. God doesn't have another, he doesn't have another idea about somebody else speaking for him besides you. I just want to stop there for a minute. Because the, the power that God has, he has enabled us to have that. That's good preaching. Really good preaching. So speaking in tongues, prophesying, spirit-inspired praise, Acts chapter 2, the spirit inspired them to speak in tongues. In other words, the prayer language that we have, the Bible says, have you ever tried to pray you ever had somebody that you needed to pray for and you really didn't know how to pray? It was like, I don't even know what to say about that guy. We can pray in the spirit and the Bible says that the spirit prays for us. In other words, we don't have to share 
we don't have to say it in English because the Spirit inspires us and we allow the Spirit to speak through us and we pray with groanings of our heart that only God can speak through us and we pray in God. When we pray in the Spirit, we pray in God's perfect will for that specific situation that we're praying for. And sometimes I don't know how to pray and I just pray in the Spirit. So in Acts 2, it talks about praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit, both corporately and in your private prayer life. In Acts chapter 10, they speak, they spoke in tongues with praise to God as a part of our worship. In Acts chapter 19, they spoke in tongues and prophesied a proclamation of God's word. Uh, you see, for far too long, teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit has focused on speaking in tongues. However, speaking in tongues has served as evidence of receiving the Spirit in at least three cases in, in the book of Acts. But just because the book of Acts teaches that tongues are evidence of spirit baptism does not mean that Christians should seek for the purpose, seek tongues for the purpose of just speaking in tongues. It's not like a bunch of spiritual elitists. Well, I speak in tongues and you don't, nanny, nanny, boo-boo. It's not like that. It can't be like that because with that power comes responsibility. And like I said last week, there's, I've been in church services where the, the gift of speaking in tongues has been abused enormously. For every real thing, there's a lot of fake things and a good light always draws a few bugs you remember that right so we have to be sure that God's spirit is speaking in us and to us and through us but it's not about the fact of it's not about flaunting the gift of speaking in tongues it's about the empowerment that God gives to us to be witnesses and to be his spokesperson, fathers to your children, fathers or husbands to your wives and wives to your husbands. It's about us having this power and this ability to not just have knowledge, but the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom, which is the power to apply the knowledge that we have. I'm going to tell you something. Knowledge really won't get you very far in life. We know more in our nation today than we've ever known in the history of the world. But I'm going to tell you something. Knowledge is messing up more than it's really helping in our nation today. We need wisdom. We need godly wisdom. And the only way that that's going to happen is through the power of God, the Holy Spirit, when the church speaks up for God. Our nation, our world needs to hear from God. Knowledge is a very poor substitute for wisdom. But really what, what wisdom is, is knowing how to apply the knowledge. That's when it becomes good. So we, we receive the Holy Spirit Again, to recap, we receive the Holy Spirit when we are saved. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. Uh, our desire should be the Spirit himself and God's purpose, purposes in this world, not merely tongues as an evidence, as an end all. The experience is not that when we are baptized in the Spirit, you will speak in tongues, but empowerment for the, the mission 
Let me, let me put it this way. If all Christians in the United States began speaking in tongues tomorrow, all Christians began speaking in tongues tomorrow, that would not constitute a revival in America. But if all Christians in the United States began loving Jesus and one another passionately enough to fill the, fulfill the Great Commission, we would experience a revival like the world has never seen before. What the power of the Holy Spirit does, it teaches us how to love God and how to love people that are unlovable. So what happens when we speak in tongues? I speak and the Spirit supplies the words, Acts 2, 4. The Spirit gave them utterance. I am edifying my spirit. It builds me up spiritually. When we speak in tongues, <coughs> it makes us stronger spiritually. It says it edifies us. The, the speaker, and so that we're stronger, and it fills us up. We need to be filled, when we're baptized, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, because if you're not full of the Holy Spirit, you're full of something else. <laughs> so our quest to be empowered by the Spirit should not focus on tongues itself, but we must realize that tongues is a useful tool to draw close to God and build ourselves up spiritually so we can win this world to Jesus. So who is the, who is the baptism of the Holy Spirit for? Acts 2.39 again, the promise is for you, for your children, for all who are far off, and for, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So as the church, we the church move forward in this current headwind that the church is in. I don't know if you knew it or not, but it's a headwind. People out there in the world don't want to hear the truth of the word of God. It's an increasingly wicked world. It, it is essentially that essential that we receive the anointing of the spirit of God. There, there's just something about, I don't even know how to express this, but when we walk with an anointing that the Holy Spirit puts on us, and whenever we walk through our lives, we go to work, we, 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 we go to different to the store, and there's, a, there's an anointing on us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we see when doors are open where we can talk about God and we can talk about how faithful he is, how he is a loving and a giving God, and how that he cares about individuals out there. That There's an anointing on you. Everybody say, there's an anointing on me. Now say it like you really mean it. Say, there's an anointing on me. Because it's so true. <clears throat> so true. So who's it for? It's for all of us. If your employer offered you, a guy named Dr. Wayne, Wade Goodall writes a book in his book, The Blessing. He said this, if your employer offers you a new tool to do your job, with less physical effort, but more excellence and precision, would you take advantage of that offer? If a friend told you of the ability of a new program that has great ability to assist people in their efforts to be better husbands, better wives, better parents, would you be interested in that program? How about an offer of some way to improve your Christian witness or multiply your efforts for the kingdom of God? 
You see, God has offered you a gift that will give you greater power than you could ever acquire naturally. Luke calls it might power, and it will release the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So how do we receive? In the few minutes I got left, I want to, I want to ask this question. How can I receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I want to give you six things to consider. The first is, is that we have to understand that this experience is for all believers. Uh, Joel's prophecy re repeated by Peter on the day of Pentecost stresses that the outpouring of God's Holy Spirit is for all believers. Uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a, is a gift that we seek. Uh, in Luke 11, 11 through 13, it says, which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will he give him a snake instead? Or if he asked for an egg, would he give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, this is Jesus talking, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who seek him? God's not going to give you something that's fake, amen? Amen. He's, he can't wait to give you the Holy Spirit because you are his children. A gift is not given because you deserve it, because you fasted long enough and waited long enough. The only requirement that God gives is that you have faith and trust in him to give it to you. God's not going to wait till you're perfect either, by the way. That's good news for me. Number three, God's... Well, let me, let me make sure I got all, all of them. Number one, this experience is for all believers. I don't even have it. Oh, number two, the baptism. Uh, I didn't highlight it. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is a gift. Amen? It's like, like it's a gift. It's like, if you want it, you can have it. I never was one to leave anything under the Christmas tree. You with me? Oh, I don't think I'll take that again. Number three, the gift, God's spirit already lives in me. The Holy Spirit already lives in you. If you're a Christian, this is a true fact. The Holy Spirit dwells in all believers. Number four, we must ask to be open and receptive to receive this baptism. Somebody famous, you know who it was, right? He said, you have not because you ask not. You'll never get the baptism in the Holy Spirit if you don't ask. It's got to be something that's really important to you. It's a great gift. It says, receptive. God does not baptize a person against their will. If you say, I'll never speak in tongues, you never will. Yielded to the Lord and the Holy Spirit to submit to his will, facilitate one's being baptized in the Holy Spirit. This is especially true of speaking in tongues. You must cooperate with the Holy Spirit. In other words, you give your language to God, and he takes what you have. And, and, and I talk to people about this all the time, but I often I wondered why God chose tongues. You ever think about that? Why did, why did he do that? I believe because I believe that if God can have your tongue, he's got the rest of you. 
And if you can't have your tongue, there's probably something else that's holding out too. I'm just gonna pause there for a minute. We put bits in the horse's mouth so we can move the whole body, just a little bitty bit. The tongue, if God can have your tongue, he can have everything. But if you withhold your tongue from God, probably something else is being withheld from God as well. He does not come and possess your tongue or make you speak or make you speak, you must yield your words to him. In other words, you give God your vocal cords and you yield and you ask God, help me, Lord, and invite him to speak to you and to speak through you. And the Holy Spirit comes. And the Spirit is subject again. The Spirit's not going to make us do it. We have to invite the Holy Spirit and yield the members of our body to the Spirit. God's timing is not always our timing. How many knows that's true? I mean, like with everything. <laughs> Since the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a gift, the timing of its giving is in the hands of the giver. I remember, see, I grew up, I, I, I have the benefit of being raised in uh, the church, in a church that believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when I was about 11 or 12 years old, when I could actually understand what the baptism of the Holy Spirit was, I prayed and I asked God to baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And I mean, we were the, we, we were like the church, like, <laughs> you might not get this, but like when we'd have church, everybody come to the altar. And then whenever you were through praying, you'd go back to your seat and you'd pray for everybody praying at the altar in your seat. So, I mean, we was like, ate up with it. So I thought, well, God loves me. I'll get baptized in the Holy Spirit tonight. Well, it didn't happen till I was about 16 years old. I mean, it, it was a while. And I was like, I, I didn't understand it, but what I decided was, was that I wanted this gift from God more than anything else in the world. Nothing else was more important to me than having this, this gift that God has for me. And I had to prepare my heart for it. So God's timing isn't always our timing, but I just encourage you, don't ever, ever give up and don't ever stop asking. Okay, I got one. I have a little note here. I just want to read this to you. Fearless is not denying the truth in any circumstance. It is denying the authority of that problem in your life. To overcome authority that fear has taken in your life. So... A lot of times what keeps us from going where God wants to take us is fear. Now I know some of you tough guys, you're like, I ain't afraid of nothing. Well, I would just like maybe challenge you with that because maybe you are afraid of something. Maybe you are afraid to just let God have you. Maybe you are afraid to just let God have your tongue and, and, and have your life and just like sell out. 
That's for all the tough guys here. And I don't know if we got any hard-headed women here. Anybody? Don't raise your hand. I never did. You see, what we do, we give authority to fear. Instead of giving authority to God and saying, God, you take me because I trust you, we trust the fear more than we trust God. I'm not afraid of nothing. I might challenge you with that. Are you afraid to speak up for God? Well, I, I, I don't know what I say. I'm, I'm just not, I'm not a good talker. I don't talk very good. Well, hello. You need help. Y'all with me? Back here, just checking on you. Y'all with me? Anybody here doesn't need help? That's why we come to church, right? Because we need help. Asking it shall be given unto you. Seek, seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. God is not a man that he should lie. He's going to tell you the truth, and he won't withhold any good gift. The scripture says, from those who love him. That's the deal. From those who love him. Sometimes my problem isn't a power problem. It's a love problem of loving God, loving things out in the world, loving what the people say about me more than what God says about me, loving, about, loving the, the worries about the cares of the world, about how am I going to provide for my family, the future. For I'm telling you, there's a lot of things out there to worry about. And if you're looking for anything to worry about, you can sure find it, because it's out there. I want to tell you something. Jesus said, I will keep you in perfect peace if you keep your mind stayed on me. My biggest challenge in life is keeping my mind stayed on him. Anybody with me? Raise your hand if you have sometimes a problem keeping your mind stayed on it. Your mind goes to wandering, your mind goes to thinking, and it says things, it's like, ah! Thank God for the Holy Spirit, because I need help. We all need help, amen? That's all I got to say. Lord, bless your people, bless us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to understand the power, the power that you want to give to us we declare, Lord, that, that you are our, our, our source, that you are our, the power that we need. And so we surrender to you. We surrender our word, words, our, our heart, our mind, and our body. And, the, and purify us, oh God. Help us, Lord, to seek you first in your kingdom and your righteousness. And the only way we can do that is when we prioritize you, Holy Spirit, in our lives to give us the power to do it like that. Thank you for everybody here. Bless everybody, I pray. Help us, Lord, to be faithful. I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning. If you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, the greatest gift that God has given to man is the gift of a relationship with him. The second biggest gift that God has given to mankind is the ability to spend eternity with him. 
But it's just like the Holy Spirit. You have to invite Jesus to come into your life. Jesus will never make you serve him. He will honor the authority that has already been given to you to say yes or to say no to Jesus. But when you surrender to God, you're saying, God, I need you. I need you to run my life because I, I know that in and of myself, I will never be the man or the woman that you created me to be without your presence in my life. So this morning, we have all sinned. We've all come short. We've all messed up. That's not what this is about. It's about accepting Jesus as your personal Savior, saying, I need Christ in my life. If you've never accepted him, maybe if you have, you just haven't been living for him, simply by raising your hand, say, Preacher, I need Jesus in my heart. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Slip your hand up high. Preacher, that's me. We want to put a Bible in your hand. Need Jesus in your heart. Slip your hand up high. Anybody? Preacher, that's me. Yep, back in the back. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. I need Jesus. Anybody? Keep your hand up high. Anybody? This one way in the back, man, would you look up? Would you mind coming up and let me pray with you? Would you mind coming up and let me pray? I'd be honored to pray with you. Would you like to come up? Let me just pray this prayer. Let me help you pray. And, uh, And there might be somebody else that didn't feel comfortable raising your hand. I just want you to, I want you to understand that God loves you and God cares for you. Let's help, help this one. Let's just pray this prayer. Repeat after me and, and let's invite Jesus to come into your heart. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward, I give my life to you. Help me to read my Bible, to pray, show up for church, and get baptized. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Beautiful. Beautiful. How many say, preacher, I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in my life. I need that. I want that. Amen. Oh, I'm just, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. Thank you so much. Hey, I want to pray for you. Everybody else, raise your hand. Let me, let's all pray for each other. Lord, we lift everybody up to you, Lord, that, that, that needs that special baptism, that power in them. And I just pray, Lord, that you would baptize them in the Holy Spirit. Give them the, the, the gift of the power of the Holy Spirit to be pure and to be holy before you, to be witnesses in in Montgomery and all over the world as we are blessed by you so much, oh God. I pray, Lord, that you would give us our prayer language where we could pray to you in the spirit, I pray. Touch our hearts, we pray. Thank you, Lord, for everybody. Thank you, Lord, for the power that you supply us to, to, to walk in this dark world and to let our light so shine before men that they might see our good works and glorify you. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, Amen. The church said, amen. amen. God bless y'all. Hey, be good to the people in the parking lot. You, I, preacher, I preached too long. We got our prayer team up here. If you need special prayer, love to have you.